Hello, hello, hello. Uh, thank you for joining us today. This is definitely a different voice than you're used to hearing uh, get the YVR Remo show started off in the right track. But uh, today I'm filling in for Alex and uh, I'm really excited about this one. This is a continuation of our construction financing series, which uh, I've really enjoyed. Um, construction financing is something that uh, I've always had a, a passion for, so I've really enjoyed this series. Now, um, we really hope you don't get bored of, of the construction financing in general, because you know we do have a lot to share here, and we're going to sprinkle these episodes uh, out throughout the next couple of weeks. But this here today is episode two of the construction financing podcast series uh, through the YVR Remo show, of course, which you're very familiar listening to. I hope you enjoyed the last episode, which was episode one, where we did a high level uh, on the entire construction financing process. And today we get to jump into private financing or alternative financing uh, around construction financing in general. So we have the pleasure of sitting down with a good friend of ours, Mr. Kyle Williams, who's the business development manager of First Circle Financial, a really reputable firm in the construction financing and private lending space. So we're really excited to bring this one on. Uh, and I think you're going to learn a lot and you're going to find that, you know, private lending isn't so bad. It's not just a guy uh, handing on, standing on the street with a bag of money. This is a very much a very professional institutionalized business and these people know what they're doing and we're so excited to get started. So here we go. I'm going to pass it off to the team and let's get started. What's up, guys? You are listening to the YBR Remo Show, where we talk all things Vancouver real estate and mortgages, take boring topics, and make them interesting. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to everything you need to know how to put cash back in your pocket, create wealth in real estate, and simplify the complicated. Really, really excited to have uh, a good friend of the show, good friend of the team, actually. Uh, go way back. Kyle's been in the industry for a number of years and have known uh, Dean and Derek. Uh, played a little golf, I understand, in the past. Um, and anyhow, so we brought on a gentleman named, uh, Kyle Williams today. Kyle Williams is the uh, business development manager of first circle financial. Kyle, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you very much for having me. Love what you guys are doing here. Thank you very much. I guess we shouldn't, you know, if there's people listening to this right now, you got to check out the video. You have to check out Kyle's flow is looking really good right now. He's looking real good. He's just getting prepared for the up and coming, uh, hockey season after COVID's all taken care of, right? Yeah. Most people put on the COVID-15, I put on 10 inches of hair, so. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I think you keep it. <laughs> awesome. Hey, Kyle, man, thanks so much for joining us today. We're, uh, we're pretty pumped to have you share your expertise. And, you know, we have been talking about construction financing over the last episode and the last couple, and we will continue to do so because it's such a hot topic. And with the market you know, in the last year or two years being such as it is, people are starting to use the equity from their homes, uh, get gifts, all sorts of things. And we're just seeing so many people start to really explore the possibility of buying, building their own home. And in a lot of situations, they don't typically qualify with your everyday banks and lenders, believe it or not, and they get turned around. And we're here to tell them that that's not the be all end all. There are other options out there. And in fact, we're not here to tell them because you're going to tell them and uh, share a little story, man. So um, maybe just give us a little backstory. You work for First Circle Financial, I believe. Um, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe just a, a quick overview as to what First Circle does, uh, what type of lender uh, you are. Sure. Uh, yeah. So First Circle Financial, we've been around since, uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me on. really appreciate it. 
Um, First Circle Financial, we've been around since 1991. It was created by a gentleman by the name of Al Cross. Um, and he actually started the company in 1991. And for the first five years, all he did was construction financing. So uh, throughout the years, we've uh, tacked on other products and things that we do offer. Uh, hence was one of the reasons I got brought on a couple of years ago was to, cause people still thought that all we did was construction financing. So we do first, seconds, commercial land and construction financing. Uh, we're located in North Van, but we do, um, we lend all throughout BC, basically, uh, Pemberton, Whistler, all the way down into Chilliwack. If you were to go down the highway one all over the island, uh, Victoria, Nanaimo, and up in the interior. Uh, basically in the interior were Penticton, Kelowna, Kamloops, and uh, Salmon Arm, and the west side of Kelowna. So uh, yeah, that's a little snapshot of First Circle. We're a mortgage investment corporation, a, a MIC. Uh, so basically we're a company made up of uh, $165 million of investors. So just while we're on First Circle, um... You know, we've been in the business for quite a while. There's a ton of private lenders out there. Not many actually offer construction financing. And you guys have obviously found a niche. I know you guys have a great product. Can you speak to a little bit as to why you guys offer that type of financing, whereas some lenders don't? Well, I think with construction financing, uh, I think back in uh, when Al started the company in, in 91, I think he there was like nobody doing it. So I think he did find a niche there and he kind of, found a way to uh, perfect it in our own way. Uh, it's a lot of work um, and there definitely is some risk involved if you don't know what you're doing. Uh, so I don't think a lot of new uh, mortgage investment corporations really want to take it on. Um, and then ones that have been around for a long time, just they understand that there is a lot of extra work that goes into them and uh, a lot heavier underwriting. And uh, I, I think we just have a really good team that's been around doing it for a very long time that it's just kind of, it's our thing. Um, like we like to say at the company, it's our bread and butter. So that's a good point. Like you mentioned, it, there's a lot of work involved in it. Like maybe speak to that, like comparing a, a construction mortgage to, you know, your typical mortgage that you would see through First Circle. Like how does that, what is the more work? So when you're doing basically like you guys do all the time, you do just your typical uh, typical mortgage. You're going to look for income docs, uh, job letter, and kind of the property. What we have to do is we have to vet uh, the, the client, but then we also have to look at the marketability of the, of the property um, and, you know, what's going to be our exit strategy. I think we'll get into that a little bit later, but then we also have to look into the builder, and then the big one is obviously the budget. We have to make sure that the budget for the build makes sense. So uh, we're not just underwriting one thing, we're underwriting probably four to five, if not more. Um, and then you're also managing and carrying on with that. It's not just one and done, you sign on the 15th of the month and then we're done. We're managing that whole process for the next 12 to 18 months. Yeah, you don't want to underestimate that 
piece alone is just the you know the draw schedule which we talked about in our previous episode we'll, we'll get into that more uh, in in deeper in this episode but just that constant progress of building the home right like your your 12 months like that is that that is really where the guts of the labor is is just managing those draws right as far as the the first circle i guess uh advantage in the way that you guys operate as a construction company um you know we haven't really got too deep into specifics as to what types of files that you guys focus on but i'd like you to make maybe uh make us aware as to you know how does first circle come into the picture for just like a typical residential financial person like where do you guys even come about and, and maybe what are some common scenarios that uh, people would start to look at you uh, just initially well, I think there's a, a number of scenarios where people would look not just at first circle, but, but for mix. And I think the biggest one is, is flexibility. Um, as everybody knows right now, it's very hard to qualify for a mortgage. So a scenario that we run into all the time is uh, people have found where they want to build their dream home. And, but like we talked about, that's going to take 12 months. So they can't move out of their current home. Uh, so they need to use the equity in their current home to be able to build this second home. So you wouldn't be able to qualify technically at a bank with that. But one term that we like to use is cash is king. So we're not typically looking at uh, debt servicing. So TDS and GDS ratios. We're looking at how much equity or cash are you putting into this project? And how much are we willing to finance on the back end of that? So um, that is a very typical scenario that we will run into. Uh, we also work with a lot of uh, builders who are building homes on, on spec, which means that they're building a house to, to build, to sell right away. No, nobody's moving into it. They're not moving into it, but they're building it to sell. So they like to work with the flexibility and ease that a MIC or a private lender can, can provide. Um, and because they're working on tight schedules because they want to get it done as quickly as possible. So they need the money as quickly as possible. So um, yeah, I mean, we, we work with, there's, there's a million scenarios I could go over, but I would say those are probably the two most, two most common. On the builder inspect piece. I mean, we've done a lot of this as well. And, We've seen people run into situations where they're they're used to working with their bank for construction, but maybe they have three or four properties and they're just hitting a wall and it's not working, right? And then they might get referred to us and they're basically of the mindset like, we're not going to be able to build this home or we're not going to be able to make X amount of dollars off of this project. Whereas when you look over to private financing, yes, the costs are a bit higher, but I mean, it's just a cost of doing business, right? You're either walking away from that project or you're actually completing it maybe with a slightly lower profit margin. So there's a lot of kind of make sense solutions like you brought up there, Kyle. But um, yeah, at the end of the day, it's equity-based lending, um, private lending as a whole. This could be purchases, refinances, or construction. Obviously, construction, like you mentioned, Kyle, just has a, a lot more due diligence into the project itself, making sure they're good people, there's a good exit. It, there's a good builder um, and the costs all make sense one thing i'll touch on and you you touch on this when you first when we first started the episode just in regards to the experience that that al had when he started the company and only doing construction he clearly understood construction and everyone at your firm gets it like it the common sense part of this process is so key and i find that's where a lot of deals break down at the bank level is you you're dealing with an employee that maybe doesn't really understand the construction process like maybe speak to that like just the importance of really 
the common sense side of things? Yeah, well, I mean, I think one of the best things uh, to do would be able to give you an example. So um, one hot, uh, you know, part of the construction industry that we're seeing right now is oh, in Vancouver, uh, we had a client that purchased one of those homes that are $1.2, $1.3 million. That's a complete teardown uh, down in, in East Van. Uh, but he, <clears throat> he tore it down and we built uh, a triplex for him there. So he ended up paying 1.3 million. And then when, after eight months, he was done building and he was able to sell each trap, one of the triplexes for almost a million each. So um, right there after cost uh, of financing and purchasing and everything in a quick eight months, he made, you know, roughly a million and a half bucks doing it. Uh, he, he was unable to qualify at the bank due to the fact that he just did not show enough income. So we looked at it and went, okay, uh, you're going to put your amount of money in that is required at the start and the exit strategy, which is the biggest one for us is you're going to sell these units is which is how we're going to get our money back. And at the end of eight months, it was supposed to be a year, but it only ended up taking eight months. And next thing you know, the guy walks out with a million and a half bucks. So um, that is a common sense move for us uh, where I think if at the bank, he was unable to qualify. So we'd look at that as kind of a low risk situation. Yeah, it makes sense. So can you just talk to us about a, a file like that? So what would be the minimum requirement uh, of a down payment for someone of that nature to get started? Like, how would you structure that? What would be the amount of cash that he has to come up with initially? Um, maybe just walk us through that. Yeah, sure. So we operate on, uh, we lend up to 65% of the completed appraised value. So that being said, if um, the home at the end of construction and completed move and ready, is $1 million, we can lend up to 650000 So the equity or cash requirement that would be required would be $350,000. So that requirement for us is due upfront. So it's either due upfront in the land or in cash. So 65% of the completed appraised value is, so they, the client typically needs 35%. So that that's pretty cool to understand that you're just going a little deeper into that, like you're when you're building a home in that perfect example, it's worth three million when it's done. Right. So and you're buying it for one point three. So you can kind of see where, OK, this is going to be a lot larger loan than what they're actually paying for it. So that's where you can see the construction costs actually get financed throughout the duration of the project. And that's where you can actually see these these deals make sense, because a lot of people hear, oh, gosh, I need thirty five percent down. But that's not necessarily the case. So that's cool. So you walked us a little bit through the application process and you just kind of discussed a little bit about how you guys don't really have the income requirements per se, but you, you care a lot more about the cash on hand. And so like just kind of thinking about, let's dig a little bit deeper into the actual application process. So you have this gentleman who's bought this uh, detached home in Vancouver. Um, you guys obviously don't just say, hey, like I like that detached house. I think you've got a great plan. Like what is someone going to have to provide to you and what kind of paperwork are you guys looking for? What should someone be aware of that they're going to have to give you upon uh, an application? Sure. So uh, honestly, not a lot. Um, we, we require an application that comes from what you guys do on a daily basis. 
just to give us a snapshot of the individual and and who they are, uh, what they make. Uh, so just a, your typical application uh, credit bureau. Uh, we also require uh, the, the construction budget, which I mentioned earlier, which is the biggest one. That's probably the biggest one that we want to review. We want to make sure that things aren't really out of whack um, or if it's inflated um, in any way. And then we'll need the building plans and the site plans. And then the last one that we require is we need, uh, we call it a resume of the builder. We just want to make that the make sure that the builder is a reputable one. So by resume, that could be a list um, of previous builds that they might have, or if they have a website, it could be as simple as just shooting over uh, the builder's website and we could have a look through that. Um, oddly enough, not a lot of builders have websites. So we just get emails of these are the previous addresses and we can kind of have a look at them and and see what they're like. So yeah, just th those five things, application, credit bureau, budget, uh, plans, and uh, a builder resume. So when you're working through all of this, like if you were sitting in a banker's chair, there's a lot of due diligence done on the income and the credit component of an application. But like we talked about, you know, private is uh, very equity based, but it all needs to make sense. So how much weight are you guys really putting on, you know, if someone's notice of assessment doesn't show a lot of income or if their credit's not great? Like, what are you guys really looking for there? Uh, and what's a situation where you guys might actually walk away because of income and credit? Well, I mean, cr credit is a is a tricky one, right? Because we, we deal with a lot of people that um, maybe have some bruised credit, but there's logical and understandable reasons why people sometimes have bruised credit if they've gone through a divorce um, or have had some tragedy in their in their family or or things like that. We've all we've all seen why people can have some bruised credit. If we see a credit application that they don't pay their mortgages, <laughs> then uh, then we might be a little weary of of that. Um, However, we, we, we look at pretty much everything if the equity is, is in the deal um, and the, or the cash is in the deal. So for your question about the application standpoint, what we will be looking at is basically how are they going to be able to make their payments um, on a monthly basis? So if they're able to make their payments, uh, great. They just have to be able to show us a little bit how. Um, there's a lot of self-employed people that keep a lot of money in their companies and don't show it on their NOAs, uh, but we know that they have cash. So if they can show that they'll be able to service the payments, um, then then we're usually okay with it. And sometimes uh, if the budget and the project allows, you can do what's called an interest reserve where um, essentially the interest over the 12 month term or whatever it might be is built into the loan. So you're not actually physically making payments. Do you guys offer an interest reserve? We do. Um, we don't love doing it, but we definitely do do it in certain scenarios. Uh, for construction, sometimes it can be a little trickier when you're building in an interest reserve uh, just because it, it knocks down the, the budget, right? So you you need to almost have a little bit more Equity in the, or whatever. E equity in the deal, you might have to have yeah. 40% instead of 35 if you wanted to be able to build that in. Yeah. Um, and those are also um, 
a couple of the cases like you asked are, are what are some scenarios where you might walk away from a deal? Well, if we're looking and this, the person's going to have a difficult time making their payments and they would like us to kind of work them into the payments uh, or sorry, uh, work the interest reserve into the, into the loan. Well, that, I wouldn't say it's a red flag, but it's definitely something that we will look a little bit more into. What would what's the biggest pitfall uh, of your typical construction file? So when you know, considering you've you've approved this deal, you're now you know you got multiple construction files on the go. What would you say is the one pitfall that uh, you'd 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 want to avoid? You mean from a, a from, client or from a borrower's perspective? perspective? Yeah, so borrowers got a construction loan with first circle and they're going through the process where, you know, what is that one pitfall that you, you come across? Well, a lot of people don't want to, uh, they, they're, it's kind of funny, right? They want to, uh, pay, pay the extra cash and they want to do this big build, but they don't want to hire a general contractor. So they want to do a self build. Um, and that for us is just a straight no go. Uh, we, require a, a reputable builder to be able to build the home and that builder will re- will require to have new home warranty so uh that is probably the biggest pitfall that i run into on phone calls on a daily basis is people call and they say i got this great deal it's on you know it's it's lakefront in Kelowna, and it's you know i got all the 35 percent down everything like that great who's your builder oh i'm building it no, like <laughs> we won't, we won't, we won't do it. So, and one of the main reasons, and probably well, the main reason we won't do that is because we, like I mentioned earlier, when we started, that we represent a group of investors in in the MIC. So we are required to lend their money out, but we need to get it back. So how we want to get it back is on the takeout financing. So you guys, as the mortgage broker, bring the deal to us. We do the construction financing, home is complete, and now we need an A lender like a bank, Scotia, TD, whoever, to take out the deal. Most of those banks won't touch a new build home that doesn't have new home warranty. So it puts us in a situation where we don't know if we're going to be able to get our money back. So then we have to trust that the house is going to sell, and it's just a whole whole road we just don't want to go down. So I would say that's the biggest pitfall. Do you see scenarios? So speaking on, you know, obviously not wanting to see a, see a self build, you want to see it done by a general contractor. You're looking at a resume. Now, the reason I'm asking this question right now is I'm starting to see some, some general contractors that have maybe done larger scale renovations or, or just renovations in general start to move into building. Like they're just, just getting there. They're going to build their first home. Like, is that something that you guys would still consider? Is that a possibility or, 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 you know, again, cause we have people who listen to this show that, that are actual general contractors and they wanted to know, you know, what does that look like for me? How do I even consider getting that resume if I've never built a home? What do you guys look for in that case? That's a really good question. Um, I guess if they, cause I, with new home warranty, you have to apply for it. And if you can get it through BC housing, then we're okay with it. So I think that would be our, you know, uh, fall back there if the deal made sense and they had new home warranty then sure um, if they're a general contractor and it's their first build i'm sure it's their first build as their own general contractor i'm sure maybe they've worked on something previously 
where we would be able to reach out to somebody else and ask or look at some of their previous projects that maybe they have worked on. So I'm actually working, um, a friend of mine has been a, a general contractor and he owns a framing company and he's been doing that for years and uh, he wants to become a builder. So he actually went through the process of becoming a licensed builder. Like there's a lot of schooling behind the scenes that goes with that. And I know that really ties into being able to actually achieve having warranty. So for him, you know, you're, you're looking at a resume of houses that he's framed, but he's not a builder necessarily, right? So you kind of compile everything he's done on the construction side of things, every single renovation that he's done. Um, and we ended up doing it surprisingly through a credit union he's building his own house but he is licensed and he does have warranty and we're actually able to get that done through a local credit union just because of the history and they do have a really strong application i think it would it would really depend on uh like the strength of the applicant and the strength like of of everything around it if there's enough equity in the deal uh cash in the deal and you're comfortable doing it and they have new home warranty well i think anybody would 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 probably do it at that point so yeah um the builder resume is one of those things that we we look at more or less just to make sure that there hasn't been any red flags anywhere else what we found a lot of times when clients are trying to do their first build and start to build their resume private lending usually is their only option because a bank won't won't even go near that right and what we found is a lot of clients will actually partner with an existing builder that does have a resume and so they'll appoint this builder friend or partner of theirs to just simply be there as like a mentor and put up their home warranty certificate and we found a lot of lenders just like including yourself would be on board with that type of scenario because you have that reliance on it on an actual builder that does have the resume does have the home warranty certificate and then it can allow this rookie so to speak to build his his resume yeah i mean exactly you just need to find somebody that because it's a risk for that individual as well to be able to do that for so, sure um if you have that person in, in your life that's a great way to get started yeah the funny part about all of this is when we when a build when a builder comes to us with this type of a plan they're so caught off guard when we ask for a resume it's like what do you mean you need my resume like start building your resume if this is something you're looking to do like keep track of your work and when they when we're asking for a resume it's not like oh you know i worked at you know gsc contracting for eight years it's like no like what was the project what was the scope what did it look like how much did you you know how much did you spend what was the square footage where was it like track this stuff diligently and yeah. build that resume i mean there's multiple times where we'll we'll say to uh the broker that sends it sends in the deal you know can we get a builder resume uh you know like a website would would suffice and and they go well he doesn't even have or she doesn't even have a, a website and then we go okay well uh can you give us a list of their addresses of their previous builds and then we'll have a look at them and you know we have a pretty good scope of what kind of what's going on so we can kind of have a, a look at it and even if like we just got an address of previous builds that most of the time will do it for us yeah, I think this you've really touched uh, on, on a lot of key points here. I mean, I think one of the things that we want to touch on before we we let you go here, Kyle, is is just where we, we started the conversation before recording today was around this uh, concept of a draw schedule. And, you know, first of all, uh, we'll, we'll break it down if you want, uh, wouldn't be so kind into what is a draw schedule, even though we've talked about this in the past, always good as a reminder. And why does it matter or not matter to first circle? 
Your typical draw schedule is um, people and like to break it up into 25% categories. So usually you'll have 25% of the of the loan amount will go in at land, 25% will go in at lockup, and 25% will go in at drywall, and then 25% at completion. So that's a typical draw schedule. However, us at First Circle, we don't have a draw schedule. So like I was mentioning earlier with our team behind the scenes, um, they will basically underwrite the entire file and then come back to you with this is what we think our draw schedule will be for you. Uh, this is how much we're willing to put in on the first draw and we can kind of go from there. However, um, like mortgage uh, construction always takes little side turns or people want money quicker or whatever. So we don't actually operate just strictly. This is our, our, uh, our draw schedule. We go from here. So we will do a max of one draw per month. So basically what has to happen is we have to get a phone call from them and they say, Hey, we need a little bit more money because we want to do X and we'll either send out uh, one of us and we'll go drive by and have a look, or we'll send out a appraiser that's just go have a look at it. And then we will release the funds um, based on what we see. Uh, so we don't typically work in, okay, you get 25% now. And then when you're 25% complete, we'll give you another 25%. We're flexible in that realm of things. Um, and yeah, so that's how we do a draw schedule. We've helped people that have been, you know, that's been very, very tight on cash and, and they're getting $50,000 draws, right? Every month. And it's just because they don't have a lot of money to put into the project, but they're just getting as far as they can. And then a private lender will come in and help them out with the following draw. So that goes a long way. Um, you know, as much as the costs are a bit more expensive than a conventional lender, you can sometimes really save yourself and, and save a lot of time. Just on the draw schedule, I want to know if you see this opportunity come up quite a bit where clients come to you in more of an emergency situation because their bank is not releasing a draw. So because of the rigid draw schedule from a bank, it's caused disruption to the project. Project now has delays and now they're looking to you to take over that loan. Do you see that? In our company, we do not like going in second position, um, putting a second mortgage in construction. So if somebody was to come to us with that sort of situation, we would want to look at taking the whole, the whole thing, um, just because we want to be in control and not have the situation that they just ran into where, hey, we're stalled, we need more money, our bank won't give it to us. We want to be able to make that decision to be able to get them to the finish line and, and not have anybody kind of holding us back. So we do run into that, but it ends up us taking over the entire thing, not going in second position. So I guess like what I'd love to know, uh, Kyle, like in closing here, you know, you shared a story in a situation there earlier with a gentleman who uh, bought a home, did a tear down, built a, a, a triplex. Um, I'd love to hear like, are there any other stories or situations recently where it made a heck of a lot of sense to work with you guys? I mean, Derek or Dean pointed out the fact that, you know, there was a, I think what you guys mentioned, a client that couldn't uh, or didn't want to sell their existing home and uh, and move into another property. So that scenario, I mean, that came up with me today, actually a question about that. I feel like that one comes up a lot. What are the other common scenarios where it's like, heck, let's go with the private situation. Let's go this direction. 
the the biggest one is basically for the individual that is looking at moving into the home is that they don't want to sell their current home. Um, that's the the big one. But then right now people have really wanted or say they want to get their construction done as quickly as possible because it's a crazy hot market and they're willing to sacrifice maybe a little bit more money right off the bat, but they know that they're catching it in a good time in the market. So they'll be able to kind of make it up on, on the back end. So when people are doing that and trying to build quickly, um, we have fully open terms. So there's no payout penalties on our mortgages. So um, you could pay out our mortgage in two months, three months, and there's no payout penalty. Where at some other institutions, I know that there is. So you have to factor that cost in as well. If you're planning on building before the term is over, well, it might be cheaper to actually go private and not have to pay out the penalty. Um, that's a situation that we run into. Um, yeah, I mean, the the market's crazy right now, right? So people are 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 trying to just kind of create more inventory for the for the people out there right now to be able to sell because it's such a good time. So I would say the flexibility and quickness that that people like of private lenders and mix is probably the biggest one for the builders. And then the biggest one for just individuals is they don't want to move out of their current home. And so much, so many different scenarios I imagine that you're seeing right now, especially like you mentioned the uh, the speed, the speed uh, with what's going on in the marketplace right now. Well, Kyle, I mean, man, you've got so many different uh, obviously stories to share and a lot of different uh, tips. Like we literally barely had to say, say a thing, and you've brought a lot of value to the show, man. So thanks for coming on the this show. I mean, there's a lot of people out there who want to know more about this type of financing, so we're going to continue to uh, focus some energy. So we might have you back on the future to talk about some of the other types of investment opportunities that you see in in construction financing if you want to find out a little bit more about uh you know kyle and first circle uh kyle you're on i believe linkedin yeah we're on linkedin and we actually uh just in the last few months have uh fired up our social media so we're uh on instagram and facebook and uh i've actually started to just really you know taking a page out of your guys's book i started to release some videos that we got done just to talk about um construction financing and other kinds of financing, uh, first mortgage to second mortgages, commercial land. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, or, uh, just head to our website and all the stuff's on there as well. Cool. And like, most importantly for uh, people listening to this, of course, like if you're going to work with a lender like uh, First Circle or, or another uh, uh, Mick out there, you're going to work with a mortgage broker, mortgage professional. So it's really important to understand these key relationships uh, like the ones that we have with uh, Kyle and, and First Circle as well. Uh, thanks for joining the show, guys. If you like the show, uh, make sure to lead us, leave us that five-star review on iTunes. We need that juice, that love. Share it out. And uh, we'll see you next time.